listeners, and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift. Stage one was completed today. The winner, Daria Pikalik, and what a win it was. But how about the actual stage? The last 10K was pretty insane, and, and when they turned onto the final coast uh, with 3K to go, and how about Georgie Howe just going full beans on the front? She was ripping that peloton to pieces, and I think when Jayco nailed the timing of their lead out, um, and they can try and save Georgie to the 1.5k, maybe 1.2k to go marker, that's when they'll really be dangerous and have that nailed, and they can save Ruby, they can save Georgia and Alex as well until a bit later, because I think you know it also got a bit messy there for them, but. Um, you know, Daria Pikalik, she was just sitting in the honey hole there down the center. You must watch the uh, the sprint overhead. Really good ride from Daria. She came up the middle, and when she kicked, she had a serious turn of speed. But uh, today's guest, my friends, is uh, the national champ. It's Brody Chapman. We chatted on the day of the Swalby Classic after the women's press conference. We just went downstairs in the Hilton, sat on the couch and uh, talked some shit. So, um, yeah, we talk about nationals, the actual ride, the road race, the final lap. Uh, We talk about all the things that have kind of led to her getting everything right. You know, she's really got all the puzzle pieces together and now she's just getting better and better and better. And, uh, yeah, we you know, chat about a multitude of things, and we'll definitely do a longer-form episode when she's over in Europe. So around the mid-year, Mark, we'll chat again with Brody. So I hope you guys enjoy that chat with Brody. And um, I was going to include interviews with Izzy Khan from ARA, of course, most aggressive on stage one, and also our young riders leader, thanks to Zwift, Ali Wallaston, who also won the Schwalbe Classic. I had them, great interviews on the line or after the stage, but I just cooked the audio. It's not good. So I will talk to those guys tomorrow or the next day, and um, I'll put them in the next pod because they were great interviews and um, both girls we want to follow for the rest of the year. But guys... Big shout out to Zwift, the sponsor of this podcast. This is one of the reasons why I can be here thanks to Zwift. Um, you know, they're sponsoring a the Young Riders jersey. They've got the Tour of Zwift is happening. They've got the Tour of Zwift kit. So check that out on the um, on the Zwift website. It's actually really nice. It's one of those ones you definitely want to get in real life. And also Cyclic, the summer sponsor of the podcast. Another reason why I can be here for so long. Um, outside of my normal day job. So thanks to Cyclic. Check out their front and rear cameras, guys. You've got to get them on your bicycles if you're riding all the time. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a really good product and it'll keep you safe out there on the roads. But guys, it's time to get stuck into the national champion from Trek Saga Prado, Brody Chapman. She's the people's champ. And I'll see you in the next episode. Uh, Brody, how many uh, media engagements have you done today? Many. I've done many. I've just, I'm just making time for you, squeezing you in, you know. I'm, I'm hot property. You say the best for last, but... Oh, touche. <laughs> but when you, when you first got the title a couple of days ago, does your phone, like, blow up with people just wanting a piece? Uh, I would say I would put it as people congratulating me. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely you get a bunch of WhatsApp messages and Instagram messages and stuff, but... I was speaking to actually Shannon Malseed. So when she won the national championships, it was kind of her breakout ride. And I I recall her being quite overwhelmed with the amount of attention and obviously, yeah, people quite literally wanting a piece and um, the messages and that kind of stuff. And I feel like, thankfully for me, you know, um, I'm prepared a bit now. Like I, 
um, I've dealt with media a lot in the past and like I anticipated it would be like that if you were to win um, and I kind of understand how it goes now um, but for sure I think if it was my you know my big first breakout ride and I had no idea what to expect it would be a bit overwhelming but I feel like I've managed it well I just <clears throat> delete Instagram off my phone every night so I don't get addicted to it yeah. Um, and yeah I think people these days I'll see their message and reply later like yeah <laughs> it's the how it is these days you know <laughs> people know yeah it's good and um, yeah I really appreciate the you know you replying as well to me and yeah it's good yeah you, you got me like mid scroll so that was good <laughs> I timed it I timed, I timed it. it well <laughs> Um, yeah, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, so um, with uh, with your new team... Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, this is the question I was going to ask. You've got kind of a like a, a younger cycling age. Because I remember, was it the Tour of Tasmania when you had your first like big ride, trying to think? Because you used to work for Cycling Tips, right? Is that back in the day? Yeah, I was working actually for Bike Exchange, which is owned by Cycling Tips. Um, yeah. I didn't work there that long actually. I was just doing like kind of SEO writing. Um, yeah. I did race, like my timeline is quite random and sporadic so you can be forgiven for not knowing it. It's not linear by any stretch. I did race a few kind of NRS and VRS races yeah. um, intermittently on different teams. But you did really well, I remember, right? Uh, yeah, I think I, I think my very first NRS races I didn't do well. I didn't really know what I was doing but I did well in like a VRS race once. And yeah, um, yeah I suppose I, I do feel young in that respect like I, I can't sit here and tell stories from the junior days yeah, yeah. I think I was like still pretending to be a dog when I was a junior or something <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah but I, I do now feel that like even compared from my last nationals to this nationals I was you know looking at myself in the mirror like having a little pre-race chat like you're a lot more experienced bike rider now you're a lot smarter like I've had three years with a good team like yeah. FDJ racing in the world tour yeah. Compared to when I raced nationals last time, it was my first race with FDG. I hadn't had a great preparation and I just wasn't as smart. So it's amazing how much um, you can learn. Also, if you want to actively learn and take it in and learn from mistakes and watch other riders. So although I'm young, I feel like I've caught up quite rapidly. Yeah. I guess you've got like the maturity of, you know, just being a little bit older as well that you can you can identify that. So you're mm. ready to hit the ground. So. Uh, it just feels like the last 18 months, your trajectory has been really good, you know, really positive and your results last year was, were really good and I think a lot of the riders before the race were actually calling you the, the big cheese, you know, <laughs> the hitter and the way you guys played it in, at Nationals with, with um, of course, Loretta and, and Spratty, like you guys nailed it and I mean, I didn't get a chance to ask you properly when we were on stage because they, as soon as I asked the question, they yeah. were like, She's got to go on screen. That's why I had to cut it short because oh, I, okay, I right, asked right. them. I said, oh, "Can I ask her a question afterwards?" That like, yeah, yeah, sweet. And then as soon as I asked the question, SBS what? Oh, uh, so that's okay, why I had to no, cut yeah, it short. You can ask me now. We're, yeah, we're yeah. On the couch so, in the yeah, that's right. We're on the couch. The food's been served. Exactly. But when you were hitting, when you got down that last climb, obviously Georgia got brought back. You went to the front. It wasn't a big attack. You just started drilling it, and you rode them off your wheel. You'd stand out in the wheel. That must have felt amazing. It does feel pretty good to ride people <laughs> off your wheel. Yeah, That's yeah. kind of, it is my strength. Like, and um, yeah, to go back to what you said about this season being like a good trajectory, it was consistent. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, like a lot of us, we're products of our environment. Yeah. I haven't done anything magical myself overnight, but mm-hmm. I've had, um, I mean, FDG professionalized a lot, as did many other women's teams. So yeah. I had, I had really excellent support all year from FDG. Um, you know, all my materials. I didn't. All I had to do was focus on riding my bike. Yeah. Um, 
I have a really good coach and we've been working together consistently for a year now. So those kind of things um, is what allows you to get to this point and actually impact the race. You know, you're not just trying to survive like you were back in the day. Um, you're not really trying to like take a big gamble. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm aware of where my fitness is at. You know, we're all like very honest, like Ruby was saying. You know, you're all pretty honest with your teammates when you're a bit more mature and you can say, I'm feeling like this or not. Yeah, yeah. In nationals, um, we obviously discussed before the race how we were all feeling, what kind of training we've been doing, where we're at, where we're at in our season. Okay. And it was clear that me, Loretta and Spratty were all in pretty good shape and enough to feel that we um, confident enough to be competitive in the race. It wasn't like, oh man, I've just started training again, you know. Um, <clears throat> and for me, like I have raced with Spratty before multiple world championships. Um, I'm good friends with Loretta. And so we had actually a really nice understanding. Um, and we actually had a... Although we were only three, we had a good spread of ability. Yeah. So we knew that Loretta obviously has the best sprint. Um, she's also been racing in the World Tour on track for a while. So at the end of a hard race, we also backed her to be able to do that. Um, she's very smart. So having her go in the early breakaway was all part of the plan. Um, and then Spratty and I, although we're both like climbers somewhat, she's definitely a more explosive and more pure climber. And my strength lies in just like dieseling away. So we had a discussion in that, um, yeah, you know, once the breakaway got brought back with Loretta in it and when Loretta was in the break, we were super happy just to yeah. sit up and, you know, if that was going to be her chance, amazing. And well, that really cooked, uh, well, that took a lot of biscuits away from, um, from Grace, didn't it? Because she pulled a lot to bring that, that move back. Yeah, I mean, Grace put on an amazing performance to be able to reel that back in, yeah. you know, flexing her, yeah, <laughs> her strength a bit there. Yeah. But of course, it's, that's going to take its toll on a course like that, like lap after lap, her just pulling back in. So obviously that worked extremely well in our favour to wear out one of the main race favourites. Um, and then, yeah, I was actually waiting for Jaco Alula to do attack first because I certainly like have a bit... I'm better if I kind of get up to speed slowly and then just go. And then, you know, I didn't feel it, like it was... It had to be the winning move. It was just a move that was going to make the race really hard. And um, I had every confidence in Amanda Spratt behind me. And we had discussed this scenario. So, you know, you, you have a plan for every race of how to win. Every team wants to win. And you go into the race like, this is how we're going to win. And, like, super rarely does that actually, actually work out. Yeah. So it's a really, really nice feeling well, when it, it does, does yeah. like, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, you're, is your partner called Dan? He's called Dan. Dan Bonello. Yeah. Dan Bonello, that's right. Yeah, because he, he rode for Malta at the World Champs, right? He did. Represented that small Mediterranean nation. And he got around like quite a few laps. I was pretty impressed. Uh, I was how maybe I don't know, seven or eight laps. I mean, he got around yeah, quite yeah. a fair way into it. But when you're back in Oz, and I imagine you know he, mm. he around here as well, do you guys train like a lot together? Yeah, we certainly ride a lot together. I mean, Dan is like a perpetual. He's forever fit. He's forever oh, in yeah. form. Forever fit. Yeah. I mean. He just loves riding and loves racing. And he did used to race at a continental level in, in the Asia Tour a bit. So, and he's a big fan of the sport. So I've actually learned a lot from him about road racing. And um, I think, you know, he doesn't follow any sort of structured training by any stretch, I have to say. Sorry. Um, and I do, obviously. So we kind of, you know, I can teach him a bit about what I learned from that perspective. Um, and, yeah, I certainly just thrive off his joy for it yeah. um, but it wasn't a surprise to me how well he got around he obviously lives in Girona with me and yeah gets to train and ride with a lot of the pros if there's a race on he'll enter it and so um, it's pretty cool to see how much he enjoys racing and wants to keep going did you move there together uh, more or less like I moved there first um, yeah. 
it happened. Yeah, my whole entry to the world tour happened quickly, so it was kind of like, I'm going to move to Girona. <laughs> so having Hi. Dan there, once he did arrive, must have been, it just made that transition a bit easier? Oh, it's it's heaps easier. Like, it was really hard doing a long-distance relationship. Like, yeah. also, as you, like, part of our joy together is doing activities together, like yeah. riding and, you know, watching TV, whatever. And... <laughs> Like watching, like, watching cycling two, on two things. Watching cycling on TV, pretty one-dimensional actually. <laughs> Me watching him watch motorsport. Yeah. Um, yeah, it made it's a huge difference. It's like it's worked well because his boss, um, Drew Johnson, who runs Quare Australia, oh, well, has cool. been yeah. really, really um, understanding and flexible with Dan's work. So he actually yeah. still works for um, the Australian contingent of Quare. Oh, yeah, cool. um, obviously, during the pandemic. He was able. Everyone worked from home, so he was able to work from Europe, and yeah, he's got a really good arrangement there. So, yeah, that's not lost on me. It's it's quite rare for a female cyclist's um, like male partner to move countries and adapt their life to fit around my career. And I'm just glad that it's like paid off in a sense. Like, I could have entered as this kind of one-hit wonder and tried to push on with the dream, but. Um, it's worked out well. It's We're financially weird. stable. We've got a really right. good community in Girona. Right. We've got a six scooter we rip around on. Yeah, so, both. yeah. And then yeah. without all those, with those all stresses covered, now you can go and race your bloody bike. Yeah. You know, because often those stresses are the ones that lean on riders sometimes when it weighs them down. When you're trying to train, trying to race, like all those life stresses, you've got mm. those covered, and now you can just go out there and fucking ride your bike. 100% and that's why you see like me this year doing better because yeah. all those stresses are covered like yeah. I cannot tell you like I know money doesn't buy happiness but it buys you a goddamn lot of stability and confidence <laughs> yeah. and opportunity yeah. so certainly in the first years when you um, are stressing about that um, also just not having a, a support around you as much as a professional team does with you know your yeah. physiology nutrition your massage your travel like it's not I know athletes often say this a lot where they're like, I've got to thank everybody around me. And I used to think it was a little bit like, come on, you yeah. did it yourself. Yeah. But actually, like, yeah, it's pretty incredible how much a lot of other people are invested in me riding my bike well. <laughs> it makes a very, very big difference. So, um, yeah, yeah, now I can focus on it. Fantastic, Brody. Thank you so much for your time. The national champion. And I hope you get that bloody bike. You're getting a bike. It's definitely <laughs> coming. It's coming. It's going to be fucking green and gold. So we'll see. Thanks. Thanks so much. No worries at all. Thanks, Hicks, for having me. That's another episode of the Brosman Podcast done and dusted. Thank you so much for listening. Big thanks to Brody Chapman, the national Australian road race champion. We'll chat with her again in the later part of the season. We've got lots more to talk about. And of course, thanks to the sponsors, Zwift. Thanks to Cyclic. Thanks to Attacker. Thanks to Smith Optics. And thanks to you guys for listening. I hope you're enjoying the daily Tour Down Under podcasts. And uh, if you are, make sure you uh, leave a review on Apple or hit the star rating on Spotify or whatever happens on Google. I don't even know what you can do there, but please do leave a review. Definitely helps the pod out a lot. But guys, I'll see you tomorrow for another episode of The Press Room, and I hope you're enjoying the tour down under. See ya.